When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have a lot to talk about, which is wild to me considering... Let me let me just take you through the last, like, 24 hours. So I stayed up late last night. I don't really remember why. I think... So, so I'm in that Madden League. We talk about the Madden League all the time. I was the last game of, like, the last week, and then they advanced to the next week so everybody can play their next game. And so I wound up playing, like, two games last night, and they were pretty late games. And I guess I just had too much energy to go to bed. I honestly don't even remember what I was doing. Like, And that's more of a reflection of today than yesterday. But I remember going to bed and just being like, yeah, I'm probably going to take a nap tomorrow or something anyway. Boy, did I not. And it's going to be a good podcast because of it. Basically, starting at like 9.30 or 10 this morning... Um, I, I, I started watching a couple of football games. I watched the, the Texas A&M game. Uh, I watched the, the Oregon State game. I saw bits and pieces of some others and then realized that wasn't really what I was looking for for today's project. And yeah, so, I mean, around noon, I was done watching all the football. I'd taken all the notes. I knew which videos I wanted to cut up because I wanted to write about the cornerbacks because the cornerbacks, I think, are one of the more interesting position groups on the team and today today we are going to be like doing our spring ball preview of cornerbacks um but yeah so doing all that stuff getting all those notes together going through all the pro football focus stats next thing you know it's time to like jump in the shower real quick and and get over to the bar because i was doing the the betting show with dre or sorry with rk again um that was when was that so that was at 3 30 and gets over like four and you go back and it's like, okay, time to, time to actually go in. Let's cut up these videos, get like dozen or so clips that I was looking for, for the story that I was writing. 
Um, and then you go through like all the issues uploading those and then writing 2,500 words. All of a sudden, it's 1230 and I am, I'm about to do this podcast. Um, there was a lot of writing to do. Hopefully you guys check it out because it was like, I think it's good stuff. I basically dug into that Texas A&M game and we're going to talk about that stuff today. Um, gonna going to talk about the Oregon State game as well. And, and the reason I chose those two is because, again, we're talking about the secondary. That Texas A&M game was just an incredible game plan. An incredible game plan. The Buffs just went man across the board. It, it was a cover one game plan. So safety deep, a linebacker um, in the middle of the field um, underneath, and, and man across the board outside of that with a four-man rush. It's just the base. And the Buffs' corners ate those receivers alive. You had Nate in the middle, Mark Perry deep. They were shutting down everything that was happening in the passing game. It was it was really cool to watch again because I hadn't gone back and watched that game since, honestly, since like a week after it happened. So it was kind of fun to circle back, look into that game plan. They tweak a bunch of things, all that sort of stuff. Um, but that game was also one of the few games where they were totally healthy. You know, I think they, you know, Chris Miller played two games. Not that he was like a huge factor, um, but, you know, he is, he is him, you know, like that's, that's one of the pieces. That's one of your DBs that's in front of the, the freshmen who were playing quite a bit later on. Um, you know, I think Nigel Bethel played less than half of the season. Uh, Makai was missing a couple games. Uh, a couple safeties got a little banged up at various points. And I mean, Nate, honestly, in watching this, Nate might have been the biggest loss of all just because he was orchestrating everything. Um, he was telling, not telling everybody where to go, but making sure everybody was on the same page. And once you get later in the season and you don't have these, these top-level players, you saw the Buffs get a little bit more conservative in the defensive play calling. And, you know, you, you hear the phrase conservative play calling, you're like, oh, no, that sounds terrible. It's like, yeah, it isn't great. But the reason was because you couldn't go man-to-man across the board with Tyron Taylor and, and Nico Reed and Kayla Moore. Now, again, I'm, I'm really excited about all those players, and I think they're going to be good. Um, but as freshmen saying, line up against this guy four years older than you, you're going one-on-one, that's just a really dangerous game to be playing, so you're forced to play these zone coverages. Um, and so I basically spent all day watching all that stuff, thinking about that stuff, writing about that stuff. And, and now we're going to jump into this podcast and talk through these cornerbacks because I think that it's sometimes you get so caught up in just like, how good is he? How good is he? How good is he? And, and you kind of miss out on what is, what is the team looking for? You know, are, are they trying to play man? Do they want to play zone? Are, are, are they, I mean, what, what exactly are they looking for here? I think I've got a pretty good idea after looking through all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's kind of plan for today. Like I said, it's a little after midnight 30 and I don't know what to expect. If I'm being honest, this could be a short podcast. This could be a long podcast. It could be, uh, it could be like super, on on the rails super just organized because i have all my notes and i just spent literally 11 hours of my life thinking about only this so there's that but then there's also the fact that i uh 
I'm a tired guy. I'm a tired guy right now, if I'm being honest. Um, so I guess we might as well start going and I can get to bed a little bit sooner. Um, first of all, just to, I mean, I think there, there's some of these position groups where it's like, okay, the lineman, who exactly is gone? Kari's gone. Uh, the, this, the center's gone. You don't have Colby anymore. And, and so you kind of have to like think through cornerbacks. I think we're all on the same page. Uh, Christian Gonzalez, Makai Blackman, they're gone. I don't think anybody's forgetting about it. Um, I think here's, here's a fun conversation. Let's start with this. What is the difference between Christian Gonzalez and Colorado's number one cornerback this season, whoever it might be? I think that, you know, again, this was something specifically that I was looking for. Like, how big is that gap? And there were some fun points. I think, like, I included in the story, I included uh, that Oregon State game. You guys probably remember this because it was a great play. Um, but it was in that first overtime. There's a fade route inside of the end zone. And Christian goes up and, and gets a hand on the ball. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful play. Um, in the second overtime, there was a fade thrown on Kalen Moore. Kalen Moore was in man coverage, same thing. He's all alone out there. He's on an island. He's he's you know, he's it's make the play or don't make the play. And he's he's not like glued to the receiver's hip like Christian was. He's he's a half step behind. Um he jumps and closes the window a little bit, but he, I mean there there absolutely was a window to make the throw. Um still good coverage. Like you see it and say like, yeah, that's that's solid coverage. Um but, you know, a perfect throw, a, a, a really, really, really great throw, that that would have been a, a touchdown for sure. Um, there, there was a window there. Again, you give him like a B, maybe even a B-plus for the coverage, but it was still possible for the offense to make the play. With Christian on his, there was no way that that play was going to be made you know Christian was able to go up and get it if anybody was going to catch that ball it's probably going to be Christian honestly so that's kind of the gap right you you talk about lockdown corners in football just total shutdown corners and those are the guys where like Christian on that play and at a bunch of different points throughout the season especially early on in the year that's what Christian was you know you say I'm going to guard this guy quarterback Quarterback isn't going to throw there because he he knows that he probably isn't going to win, and and because he probably isn't going to win, he's probably just going to look somewhere else anyway. Christian Gonzalez at, at points was a lockdown cornerback. And you, you also go back to that Drake London game and say, eh, he wasn't perfect, um, but he did have that in him. With these other guys, and I just picked Kalen Moore because it was a you know first of all I think he's very much in that conversation for cornerback one, um, but also because there's just that parallel um the, those two plays separated by like 10 minutes of real lifetime maybe even less than that um it just shows you play that well but you don't necessarily stop it, 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 if if that makes sense you know that's that's that margin you're playing with that's the difference between him and Christian Gonzalez at this point and i think that at this point is a very important clarification because we remember Christian's freshman year. You know, the complaint was he couldn't play the ball. 
You know, he, he'd be in great position, but he wouldn't get his head around, wouldn't get his hand on the ball. A lot of the time he'd get his hand on the receiver, get called for a penalty. And, and you could see a, a bunch of the tools and the traits and that sort of stuff, but just the technique wasn't quite there. Then you saw everything come together and saw him become one of the very best cornerbacks in the Pac-12. And a guy who I think, you know, again, just because I was going back and watching him so much today, watching all these guys so much today, I think there's a good chance that he's a first-round draft pick next year. I, I really do. Um, and we'll see how it all plays out. I even got caught up for a minute, like, looking through what these blogs are saying. And nobody's saying anything about Christian Gonzalez. I, I, if you were to ask me today, I think he's a first-round pick next year. Um, so there's that. Um, again, can Kalen close that gap? Can Nigel close that gap? Can Nico close that gap? I think it's possible. I think it's really possible. Um, it, to it, it's possible to make it slim, to to make those margins really slim. Um, to actually catch up to Christian would be tough to do, though, because again, we're talking about that sort of player that I was describing. Um, I, I think that the other thing that really stands out, just in terms of this conversation of replacing Christian Gonzalez specifically, the way that Christian Gonzalez tackles is very underrated. And I think there's stats that back that up as well. Um, you know, things like... Actually, I, I, look, look, I have all this right here because we've been thinking about it all day. Um, yeah, he had he had seven run stops. So again, this is a pro football focus stat. Or stat, not stab. Here we go. There's the tired... Um, it's a pro football focus stat that basically says um, you get a run stop if you make the tackle on a play that is deemed successful for the defense. Um, or I guess it's actually unsuccessful for the offense. It's probably easier to explain it because what's successful for the offense is 50% of the yardage gained on first down, 75% of the yardage needed to like get the first down on second down, and uh, a and all of the yardage that you would need again to get a first down on third down or fourth down. So if you stop them for less than five yards, that's a run stop on first down. You stop them if it's like second and eight, second and eight. There's some easy math. Uh, then if you stop uh, stop them for less than six yards, so for five yards. Then it's a it's a it's a, a run stop, right? Um, wow, was that a lot more difficult than I thought it'd be? Um, but but he has seven run stops this season. Um, second, Makai with four. Uh, Chris Miller had two. Um, Nico Reed had one. None of nobody else you could could call a corner had any. So again, seven run stops. That's a good number. Pass play stops, which is the the same thing, but passing the ball. Thirteen. Then you have Makai with seven. Then you have Kalen Moore with two. Then you've got four guys with one. So again, 13. And then what that means is he's making those tackles likely on catches that he gave up. You know, gave up 30 catches on 55 targets, whatever. Um, but also you just watch the tape and see like, okay, this guy can tackle. You know, Kalen Moore in that Oregon State game, he gave up a touchdown on a missed tackle. 30-yarder. And everything worked out all right in the end, obviously, but... That's not always true when when you give free points to teams like that. Again, 
get him in a weight room for an extra nine months before he sees the field again. Does that solve the problem? It's possible, but something needs to solve that problem, right? And so we just look at Christian and say that's a really well-rounded player, um, very good player. He's going to be tough to replace. You look at Makai Blackman and say he's gotten a lot better at tackling um, in his time in Boulder. He's a pretty sure tackler now. Um, the coverage is also really good. Um, honestly, I think they probably played him in the slot too much. Just in going back and watching, you know, he was uh, for... I mean, he got almost half of the slot snaps this season. Maybe not quite that. Maybe closer to a third. Muno is definitely more than a third. Closer to a half than a third. Wow, this is late. Um, but I do think that he is a lot better on the outside, um, which which is not what I thought coming into this. But not that it's a huge gap either way, but it's something I... It's a, it's a new belief of mine that I figured I might as well share. Point is... You're losing those two guys. I think that Nigel Bethel is the first person you look to and say, you can at least replace Makai Blackman. Um, and again, I think Makai's a good football player, but you watch what Nigel was doing early on. He was kind of the the unsung hero of this this early season defense. You know, it's it's cool to have two lockdown or really good cornerbacks, cornerbacks good enough to allow you to play man coverage, but it doesn't really matter if you don't have a third guy who can go on whoever their number three receiver is and shut him down too. Otherwise, they'd just be feeding that guy all day, you know? Um, and, and Nigel, the way he played, some some really acrobatic pass breakups, um, just sticky coverage in general. You know, a little, little smaller guy still. He doesn't have that Christian Gonzalez length where you say like, oh, Put him toe-to-toe with Drake London, see what happens. We remember what happened, um, but going into that game, I was really excited about it. Um, I do think that Nigel Bethel is Makai Blackman this year at the very least, Um, and and I think that there's some other guys with upside. You know, you look at Tyron Taylor, you look at Kalen Moore, you look at Nico Reed. Um, Before you even get to any of the freshmen, say like, yeah, could could you pop and, and be a really good player? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think that Nigel Bethel is good enough to hold down to, to replace at least one of those guys. And there's a chance that he could take that next step, right? And, and really be that true lockdown type of player that we were talking about. Um, the defense really changed when he got hurt. That was really the turning point to me. Here's, here's a fun stat. So he was in man coverage 51% of the time. When, when he was in coverage. 51% of the time it was man, um, 49%, 48%, because there's like a decimal, whatever, uh, he was in zone. That is, I think it's the second most. Yeah, it's the second most in the Pac-12 out of the 80-something players who qualify for that stat. And here's the thing, is that he was playing when they were playing all that man. When he left and they had to start pulling in other people to fill his role a little bit, that's when you saw them shift into more zone coverage to protect a, a Nico Reed or a Kalen Moore or whoever. And that's why you look at some of the others and say, you know, Christian Gonzalez, he was a man 36% of the time. Again, for half half the season, the corners are out there playing that. fifty. The man 51% of the time. 
Um, and again, Nigel does come in on third downs. Um, I mean, basically whenever the other team's in 11 personnel, right? He's, he's, he's not their slot guy because that's Makai who's in the slot. Um, but, but he is that third DB third cornerback who comes on to push Makai into the slot. So, so that'll skew it a little bit. Um, but not that much. And so I think that that's really notable. It, it's the closest stat that I could find to just straight up showing that they switched to a whole bunch of zone other than going through and like watching all the games and be like, Hey guys, it happened. That's the closest thing to a stat that I was able to get that says like, look, they were man. Now they're zone. Um, yeah. So, so Nigel though, again, really good player, really enabled those other two to, to look as good as they did early in the season. Um, what 65 quarterback rating allowed uh that 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 number is 90 for Christian Gonzalez it's 85 for Makai uh that's that's a really good number and again there's there's flaws in all of these stats but I do think that if Nigel Bethel winds up being your number one cornerback this season the you're in a you're in a solid place you know, I, I can't say that he's a top half of the Pac-12 cornerback one, but what I can say is, like, he belongs out there. I think for just about any Pac-12 team, he is a he's a starter. And when you lose your two starters, particularly on such a, a, a it, from a group that is so young, that is a question. Like, there's a chance that you have guys who just don't belong out there. So. I do think that the the conversation of this cornerback position it really does start with Nigel Bethel. I think where it goes from there is pretty open ended. Um, you know, there's only two upperclassmen. Bethel's going to be a junior. Uh, the 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 other junior is uh, wow, so many names. Jalen Stryker. There we go. My goodness. Um, Nigel Bethel, remember, transferred in from Miami. Uh, Jalen Stryker was a JUCO transfer from Independence Community College. We love that one. He still has not played. F- oh, that's interesting. So Colorado has not playing the final two games of 2020 um, on the punt return unit. Pro Football Focus didn't credit him for that. So maybe he has seen the field. Um, but he definitely hasn't played a defensive snap. He he missed all of last season with a shoulder injury, and who knows? I mean, he was, I think he was right behind Nigel on the depth chart in 2020. No, there, I think there was one player between them. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Tariq Luckett between them. So, some somebody like that. But uh, striker could he have surpassed Nigel? I mean, absolutely. There there's a chance. You can't really expect a whole lot from a guy who is two years in and going into his junior year and you haven't seen him on the field at all yet. But what you can say is that he's six foot three, 200 pounds. And when we talk about the flaws of this cornerback group, the big one is just size. You know, you do have a, a Tyron Taylor who's six foot two. Um, he, he also plays some safety. He's used the other nickel guy. He was like the number two nickel guy behind Makai. That's probably what he's best known for. But even though he's six foot two, 175 pounds, you know, not, not, um, not a massive dude. 
Um, outside of that, I don't even know if they have anybody over six foot. I think Nigel's listed six foot. He was listed five nine as a recruit. Believe what you want to believe. Um, I think Kalen, all those guys, they're they're like five ten, and so I think that. Again, Nigel is the start of this conversation when you say who's going to be on the field at cornerback. Nigel's easily the best bet. From there, though, if you wanted to make a case for Jalen Stryker, you could see that case, right? Because he is so big, because he does seem like he would complement somebody like Nigel. Um, But when he just hasn't played, it's tough to say. The fact that he's three years older than these other guys doesn't hurt, though. Um... Because again, I mean, after after uh, Nigel and Jalen, that's when you get into the the three guys who were all freshmen last year. So that's uh, Kalen Moore, that's Nico Reed, and I'm throwing Tyron Taylor in with the corners as well. So they'll be sophomores this season. Those other two guys are redshirt juniors. Um, plus, they had the COVID year, so that's why they're three years older. Um, should we run through these guys individually? Yeah, I, I, let's keep going with Tyron. I, I think I said most of what I want to say. He could be a safety. He could be a corner. Um, they used him primarily in the slot. Really the only guy outside of um, Makai. I guess Chris Miller when he was healthy. Who got significant work in the slot. Um, so I think that plays to his advantage for sure. From there, um, you you go to Kalen Moore. The the stats that you'll see about him would make you think he's really good. And and that that makes me sound like I'm saying he's not good. He is good, but again, can't always trust the numbers, especially when it comes to like these defensive stats, like passer rating allowed. Notably, though, his passer rating allowed was forty forty seven point nine. So that's impressive, but also. He was targeted five times, allowed two catches on him. So it's not like it's a huge sample size, right? Um, I think the the one stat that I would point to for Kalen that, that would get me most excited is that he had 37 and a half coverage snaps per catch allowed. Um, and obviously that's a really good number. And, and digging into that number even more, I think that, first of all, I should say, that is the best mark in the Pac-12, you know, of, of every cornerback in the Pac-12. It didn't matter, like, how many snaps you played. Like, even, even if you put it all the way down to the to no qualifier at all, he is number one. And he did play more than enough stats to qualify. Much, much, much more. Um Going back and watching more of that Oregon State game, though, you do see things like, oh, Nate's not out there. there. There's the play before the half. There's the play right before the half. I think Oregon State has the ball at the 50 with like nine seconds on the clock. It's third down. They need to pick up the first down, and they probably need to get into field goal range on that play. They probably won't have time to run another play to get into field goal range. So what do the Buffs do? Put a couple safeties deep. Make sure you don't give up the touchdown. Get five uh five defenders across the 35 yard line or so um almost in a prevent sort of defense and Quinn 
is one of those guys. There's a corner to his left um, and, and another linebacker to his right who's in the middle of the defense. Running back leaks out in the flat. He kind of crashes on the running back. All of a sudden, the receiver who is outside just cuts right into that space right there, and they make the field goal, and it's three free points. It's 13-10 instead of 13-7 at half for really no good reason, and it's just a little mistake. It makes sense. I mean, he hasn't played in a prevent defense maybe since, like, high school or whatever, um, but you see that happen. You see, you know, Marvin Ham had a coverage mistake that, that was just like a free catch, and I think on a third down as well. Uh, there, there's a bunch of those that you look at and say like, okay, so yeah, he's not giving up catches, and he's really not getting targeted, but a lot of the time when he's out there, it was after Nate got hurt, and it was pretty easy for opponents to be throwing across the middle of the field when Nate was hurt. Because again, at this point, that whole cover one defense that that they were running against Texas A&M that worked so perfectly, that was basically out the window. Um, Just because you didn't have the guys to line up and and go, man, because somebody would get burnt. You know, it it just wasn't worth that risk. And, And with these man defenses, these zone defenses, they all have their strengths. They all have their weaknesses. And while while a zone defense will make it so that you don't just have this guy on an island with somebody else, just saying you're on an island with this guy does really simplify your job, right? Where you say, like, what, what am I supposed to do on this play? See that guy? Don't let him get the ball. It doesn't take a lot of, like, spatial awareness and those sorts of things. It's just like, okay, don't just stay right with this guy. Once you start getting to some of those zone coverages... Then all of a sudden, you know, especially if you're in the middle of the field, that's where you can get pulled so many different ways. It's okay. I gotta, I gotta peek on the slot receiver first. Oh, he's going outside. That means he's not my responsibility. Where's the running back? Oh, he's. Go- oh, wait, that other receiver snuck behind. You know, there's so many different things to look at. And, and so while for young players it does kind of make sense to stay away from just straight man coverages because they're probably not ready to handle themselves in those situations that's probably why you saw CU get away from those when they didn't have Makai they didn't have Nigel um it's also hard on young players to play some of the zone coverages as well for other reasons it's just that the the you typically don't lose those by as much if that makes sense you know if you're playing that cover one yeah there's a deep safety well guess what you you get uh, a little sluggo, you know, a slant and just go. All of a sudden, the cornerback just jumps on the slant and the go is right behind him. That could just be a touchdown right there. Any sort of little double move, that could just be a touchdown. Um, when you're playing the zone, at least you still have somebody over the top. At least in theory, you should. Um, sometimes those guys blow their coverages, though. So I I do... We're kind of getting a little bit off topic from where we were, but I do really wonder what Chris Wilson... Well, I think, I mean, what Chris Wilson wants is to run that defense he ran last year. Because that defense he ran last year, where you have Christian Gonzalez, Makai Blackman, and Nigel Bethel just line up and take the one, the two, and the three, all of, all of a sudden you feel good about all those matchups. You have Robert Barnes, who, in my opinion, is much, much better in man coverage than he is in zone coverage. You know, if you just want him to go man on a running back out of the flat, love it. 
Love it. He has that handled. Uh, you want him to play zone, move backwards a little bit. I think that, that that's a little bit tougher for him. Um, but th- that's that was his job, was to, to just take away the running back. You have Isaiah Lewis cover the tight end. And in, in that Texas A&M game, when he was going up against one of the best tight ends in the country, yeah, he, he struggled a couple times. And, and when the Buffs cover one didn't work, I think probably more often than not, it was Isaiah Lewis getting beat. Again, that's a really tough matchup. Um, and the fact that it wasn't consistently being beat, it was like, oh, here's these three plays that, that he gave up. You know, there's the 10-yarder, the 15-yarder, and the 20-yarder. It could have been a lot, lot worse, especially considering that kind of defense but that was his job he takes the tight end then all of a sudden you have Nate in the middle of the defense and he's just looking around he's reading the quarterback and he's cutting off anything coming across the middle I mean that's what Nate's good at don't make him go man to man with somebody don't even give him like a a real zone that he has to cover let him be the guy in the middle who helps people out on crossers or whatever Um, plus he can just crack anybody who comes across it's it's a perfect fit for him then you have Mark Perry deep and it's the same thing where he's it's that track speed and he puts it to use back there. Um, when you have all of that, it's it's like yeah, this just rebuild that, it, just just do that. But it's not that simple, you know. Finding those corners, finding that linebacker who can make those reads in the middle like that, finding finding another safety who's who can handle that deep middle job. And that's really important when you're you're playing man across the board and, and it's you're that last line of defense. If somebody screws up, somebody gets beat, you've got to fix that. I don't know who on that roster right now is that guy. So the bottom line is Chris Wilson would love to play that defense. He would love to play that defense. Can he get these guys to the point where it makes sense to play that defense? That's the big question. Because otherwise, you're going to get stuck with some of these soft zone coverages. You're going to be giving stuff up underneath, or, or you're going to be giving stuff up in the seams, and you're going to be stuck thinking a little bit more than you want to. You know, it's it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind because again, it's it's not just about okay, Nigel Bethel. Oh, he's that guy. We're good to go. We we can run. No, you got to have three corners. You got to have a safety you can play and. It's 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 not necessarily going to be easy to to get all that figured out. Um, real quick, Breckenridge Brewery, incredible partner. I actually, so I didn't say this. I was mostly just working from the bar. I didn't get to see most of the basketball games, which were disappointing. But but we have that booth basically where everybody just sits and works all day. I was just sitting there. And I didn't have any Breckenridge beers today, and to be honest, I uh, I regret it. I I should have had one. At some, uh, I'm I'd probably be a little sleepy right now. Tomorrow, though, Friday, though, which is actually today as I go look at that calendar. Um, Tomorrow, the weekend, that's Breckenridge beer time. I haven't even seen if the Avs are here tomorrow. I need to do that. But if the Avs are here, I'm going to be drinking Breckenridge beers. If the Avs aren't here, I probably will anyway. It's the best stuff. They support us. We support them. You should, too. You can get it basically whenever, so do that. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I love them. I actually lost some money today. I, uh, I backed the pack and I should not have backed the pack. So that's too bad. But, um, most of the time I do win money, which is a lot more fun than losing money. 
when was the last time I won money? We had that plus seven fifty same game parlay a couple days ago. Um, tomorrow we're uh, ooh, here's a DraftKings pick of the week for you. Um, South Carolina to win in the women's tournament parlayed with Stanford to win in the women's tournament. That's minus 179. It's going to happen. Get in on that. I've got big bet in on it. So there's your DraftKings pick of the week. Uh, right now, though, they do have a special, and actually those would be two good games to use it on. You pick any college basketball game that's going on. I think it, it might have to be one of the tournament games. I'm not sure if the NIT counts. Um, but you put $5 on somebody to win that game if they do it. You get two hundred dollars in free bets. It's five forty dollar free bets. It's an awesome deal, and uh, you have to be twenty one or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred. All right. More on these cornerbacks. Um, Nico Reed. I can say, and I've said this, I think, on the podcast before. I know that the staff really likes Nico Reed. I mean, they like Kalen too. Um, I have. It's it's crazy to think, you know, when when I first, I think I've only talked to each of them once or twice. I remember once for each, but it must there must have been another. But at that point, it's like, okay, hey, you guys just you guys just got to play your first game. Like, how'd it go? And and. At the time, you're like, oh, okay, these are these are still kind of like the kids in the program, right? Like, they're 18, they're new to this, they're having a good time. Now it's like, those might be just those dudes for Colorado. And and to go from that place to this place, and what, it's been five months, six months, five five months, that's kind of wild. And I'm, I'm going to be, I'm excited to catch up with those guys. Um, but I do know that the CU really likes them. Um and they, uh, again, like you're looking at this with Nigel Bethel, Jalen Stryker, Kalen Moore, Nico Reed, and they've got Tyron Taylor in there too, who's corner, safety, whatever, maybe just their slot guy, who knows. There's five five bodies you can put on the field, right? There's, there's five people with some experience who are, are they going to be good Pac-12 players? Maybe. Maybe not, though. At the very least, you could put them out there, and you're not just like, "Wait, what is happening? Like, why not put my why not put my grandma out there?" Um, you do have five who you expect competency from at the very least, and I think all five of them have very high ceilings. Nigel obviously showed some really great things before he got hurt. Again, he's the the only reason I'm not on the Nigel Bethel for All Pac-12 team right now is just because he was doing it against other teams' third-best receivers. You know, if, if he didn't have Makai and Christian out there and he still did what he did, then I'd be all in. And, again, he has no control over that circumstance, but it's just like, okay, now now go prove it. And if he proves it, all of a sudden, there you go. He could be an all-pack 12 player. Um, these other guys, obviously pretty young. Um, plenty of growth expected. I mean, not pretty young, really young. It's honestly wild how much experience they have considering that they were true freshmen in their first first year on campus last year. Um, but the ceiling is high. You've got five guys with high ceilings with floors that you know. That I, I don't want to say high floors because that implies that they're like, you know that they're good players. And you don't know that they're good players. You know that, again, they are competent. They can go out there and be competent. Um and with those five guys, that's a starting point. 
because again, you have typically three three in your rotation. You the, you usually don't go too deep at cornerback. Um, so you've got three guys regularly who go in. You can have two injuries and still be within those experienced players before you get to the four true freshmen who are going to be on campus. Um, I think, and I wrote this in the story, if I'm just taking a stab at it, I would guess two of those guys have at least 100 snaps. Two of those guys have at least 100 snaps this season. And and for, uh, let's see. Oh, I don't have the just snaps pulled up. I can tell you, though, that Nico Reed had 102 coverage snaps. Um, Kalen Moore had 80 coverage snaps. And what that means is if he's on the field for 80 coverage snaps, that means there's got to be 20 more where the other team ran the ball, right? Or that he blitzed or something. Um, Tyron Taylor, 178 coverage snaps. So you probably had three guys, three freshmen last year do it. I bet you get... I bet you get at least two of those guys this year just because of some sort of injuries, but also because somebody's going to be good out of that group. And I don't want to pretend like the difference between a true freshman and a sophomore is super small. Like it's like, ah, oh, it's basically the same because it's not. Like having a year in the strength program, studying all that stuff, learning, having experience in games, obviously that the difference between a freshman and a sophomore is bigger than the difference between a sophomore and a junior. At the same time, though, it's not the biggest difference in the world, right? Like, it's an 18-year-old, it's a 19-year-old. We've seen back-to-back years now. You know, Christian Gonzalez started all season as a true freshman. We saw these guys play. I mean, I think Tyron in or Tyron was in for at least 25% of the snaps, maybe maybe a third of the snaps this season. That's very notable. Um, I do think that we see these guys, and. and the other thing I'll say, first of all, the difference between their top cornerback and bottom cornerback in this class, number 87 by the 24-7 sports composite and number 113. So there's four within like 26 players. I wouldn't worry too much about which one is rated highest or lowest or anything like that. Um, I think this is a really even fight. The one... The one little piece that would point to an advantage is that only one of these four freshmen won't be on campus this spring. So that's Jason Oliver. Um, He's not showing up till over the summer. Simeon Harris, Josh Wiggins, Keyshawn Mills, they're already on campus. They're going through spring balls, spring ball in next week. And I think that because of that, that's what kind of puts me over the top and be like, okay, you're getting two of these guys who are going to be relevant to how this season plays out. And again, there's a chance they pop. There's a real chance they pop. Uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of my thoughts. If you want more of my thoughts, 2,500 plus words up at thedmvr.com. And, uh, you might as well check all of that out. Um, yeah, let's call it good. I think I think I think we're gonna call it a day. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. We're gonna be talking about something, probably another position group, but I don't know what. Uh, something small, something small because this is a big night. Maybe just wrap it up with safeties because it's basically the same thing. Or I was just watching the same thing. You know, I could turn on like one new game, maybe even two new games in the morning, 
and just watch the safeties, and I'd be all set. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about something football-related, and I will see you then.